Okay, I want to thank everyone very much for coming out tonight. We are going to move on now to our monitoring items, and the first is the superintendent's update on the 2017-2018 action plan. Dr. Murphy. So, Grady, I was wondering if you could do me a favor. Yes, thank you. I abruptly left there and didn't correct the, the chair. All right, I'm gonna provide us a, a little bit of an update on uh, some of the various initiatives and projects that we have transpiring uh, throughout the remainder of the year. Uh, you are gonna hear from Dr. Natras here in just a minute about uh, two of our particular policies, acceptable use and inclusion. And then uh, the most recent uh, non-agenda item speaker, we're gonna speak directly to where we are with Reed and some information for the Reed School that we've pushed out and Mr. Chadwick's gonna assist me with that. I do wanna just uh, update everyone as far as where we are um, with group one, which is dealing with policies and policy revision, and that's around the school facility uh, naming policy criteria. Uh, we're sort of uh, transitioning from staff uh, developing draft naming criteria proposal to then the staff um, creating the criteria to bring forward to the board here in April and May. What then will happen with that is those will move into, uh, that information will move into committee for us to first look at the four school projects that are coming online that require us to uh, look at naming, the naming um, policy and uh, PIP. And then part of that will be sort of a second pronged approach to look at developing and recruiting an ad hoc committee to uh, look at addressing the naming, uh, the current name of Washington Lee High School. So uh, I just wanna remind everyone, we have a number of schools that are opening in September or the fall of 2019, and so those schools will be the priority as we move forward, and then looking then at Washington Lee with the, uh, the naming, uh, look, addressing the naming there as well. So let me now transition to Dr. Natras. She's gonna to talk to you a little bit about where we are with some of our acceptable use and uh, the recent work that the group did, I believe, last week and how that's progressing, and then also talk about inclusion. Thank you, Dr. Murphy. Good evening. Um, as you know, we have been working particularly um, carefully over the last couple of months on the acceptable use policy which is now policies, which actually have doubled from the last time we talked about them, and I'm gonna explain that in just a moment. Um, so you see up here actually four policies. When we started this process, we actually started community conversations last May and really began digging into our current policies right around November, December. We launched with a community meeting November 15th, and we looked at five current APS policies. Originally, we thought we were gonna be able to take those five and turn them into two. Um, over the last couple of months, we've really looked at what's in each of those policies as well as looked at models across the country in terms of what we're seeing with acceptable use. And we are going to recommend that we move from five to four. One of the four has already been approved. It is 45-2, which is the internet policy that was approved on February 1st. That one really focuses on filtering and state guidelines. 
Then we really started the drafting process um, in January for the acceptable use policy that we've been talking about. And through that process, we determined that we really want to bring forward an electronic technologies acceptable use policy for students as well as one for staff. We feel like those are separate policies. One kind of lives in the human resources staff side of things. The other lives in student family community use for um, electronic technologies. So that's why you see two there. Um, we currently are in the process of finalizing the draft for the student policy. And that's the one we will bring forward to the board first. So you can see the timeline there. We had a community meeting in November. We've been drafting with a team of teachers, principals, instructional technology coordinators, um, folks from information services and the Department of Teaching and Learning and have now been taking that draft out to the community. We had a community meeting Monday night. We worked on the policy last night with the Advisory Council on Instruction. We have an online input form that's out that launched March 6th. It will be open through the 16th. And then we hope to bring that draft forward to you on March 22nd for information. Then we have a couple of weeks before action. Then you see the other two, the acceptable use for staff and we anticipate bringing the drafting process of that in late spring, potentially bringing in late spring for info and action as well. And then we also have decided that we believe the acceptable use of social media needs to be a separate policy. It already is a full page policy and there's so much that changes with social media so rapidly that we feel like it really needs its own policy. And that's why you see those four. The other policy work that we're really digging into that is also pretty extensive has to do with our work around inclusion. So as we look at the inclusion policy, we're doing a couple of different things. One is you know we are in the process of drafting the 2018 to 24 strategic plan. There are several elements that are in the draft of the plan related to inclusion. So when we think about inclusion universally and holistically, we believe we will find some elements of that in the mission, vision, core values, as well as within goals and strategies. So we wanna have that work um, somewhat solidified and we'll have that draft April 2nd. And then we will also start beginning to really look at policies related to inclusion that are much more specific in April take some of that work and do community engagement in June. We'd like to have some conversation before um, summer so that we can do some staff work over the summer and then bring information and action to the board in September and October of 2018. So those are our big policy pieces and I'm gonna turn things back to Dr. Murphy to talk about new schools and program needs. Thank you, Dr. Natras. Um, so we've moved on to uh, group number two now, and that's talking about new schools and program moves. And I just wanna uh, flip back and forth here initially between these two slides and just identify that we've broken this process into uh, two parts. There's the, the phase one piece that leads us through uh, the end of this school uh, year where the school board um, may take action uh, and that's really around uh, the, the placement of the option schools if that rule will come forward as a recommendation. Once that decision is made or a plan possibly for that decision is made, then the second phase is really around 
uh, the planning initiative of phase two kicking off in the fall with whatever boundary adjustments uh, are required as a result of bringing uh, a number of new schools potentially online. So I wanna speak to just a little bit about where we are with this phase one process. And while I know there's um, been an examination of some of the walk zones and also the, uh, how the various option schools uh, and also neighborhood schools serve their various boundary areas, I do wanna highlight and sort of state no decisions have been made. There have not been any decisions. Um, and so I know that people are reading a lot of information they may be drawing some conclusions, but I'd encourage folks to become involved in the process, and I know we've already uh, had an opportunity for online uh, input there for some of the considerations for the neighborhood and option school locations, um, and that's currently ongoing. We also are gonna be reflecting back uh, in task group work sessions coming up here later in March, um, what we've heard about the various walk zones. There's another component to this that I think we have to be mindful of, and that's why we are sort of doing the due diligence in looking at this. I think we need to be thinking about this as we are a growing school division. And while we may come forward, and I don't know how this is gonna shake out with recommendations or not, I think we have to be prepared either to make these decisions in the short term or be prepared to look at them in the long run. And it's really our, I think it's staff's responsibility to inform the board as far as what that may look like and then have your thinking as well as the community's thinking uh, weigh in on this. So it's, it's a bit of a due diligence. It's also an equity issue because we have many programs uh, that are option programs. They are uh, under demand. People want to uh, avail themselves to them. So is there an opportunity for us to look at potentially allowing more students to participate in some of those option programs? And I think that just speaks very clearly to what our values are and how we wanna make sure that we provide opportunities for students. So my encouragement to all of those folks out there um, is to become involved, become a little bit knowledgeable, and also help us inform the process. Based on that then phase one piece, we'll come back uh, with the phase two and um, then move through some of the um, similar uh, you know, uh, processes that we've used with both the high school and the, the middle school process as far as how we engage the community and then uh, exercise those uh, boundary moves. I do wanna make note that all of this will then come into play in the fall of 2019 for our new boundaries being implemented with the number of school, new schools that we have coming online. So again, I just wanna say thank you uh, to all those folks for their patience with this and I encourage you to uh, continue to engage and access the information that's available on the Engage website. We are moving now to group three that talks a little bit about operational planning. Uh, you are gonna be hearing shortly from uh, Lisa Stingle, uh, our director of uh, planning, and she's gonna be talking about the Arlington Facility and Student Accommodation Plan, also projections and capacity. We're gonna follow then into subsequent meetings with the Capital Improvement Plan Framework, March 22nd for info, and then April 5th for action. This is a CIP year, so shortly after the budget closes out, we will kick off the CIP process uh, for this year, uh, and that'll end for us here uh, just prior to the end of the school year. Dr. Natras and Ms. Stingle also are moving forward with the 2018-2024 uh, the strategic plan. Uh, currently, there is an online questionnaire that is available, and we're soliciting 
uh, community input, and that's a draft of the goals and the strategies. And I want to commend uh, Ted Black and Meredith Purple, our two chairs. They've done tremendous work along with the committee. Uh, and I think uh, thank you for, to the community also that provided some feedback recently about some of the information that we had pushed out. But that also allowed the committee to kind of dig in. And I think some of the things they've produced have been very, very helpful. Uh, and so uh, check those things out online. I talked about this in my uh, superintendent announcements. Um, you know, just highlighting again, we're in the budget process. We've got the public hearing on March the 22nd on my proposed budget. And then uh, we've got the uh, April 3rd, we've got an upcoming uh, work session number five. I'm going to turn now to uh, Mr. Chadwick uh, to talk a little bit about where we are with uh, the Reed School building. Uh, we pushed out some information tonight. Uh, it was noted that um, we did have uh, the uh, concept design, I believe, slated for this evening's uh, board meeting. Uh, however, because of uh, some of the escalation with all of the options, uh, we want to uh, bring this back to the building level planning committee. And you can see that March 14th meeting. Uh, they have, uh, are planning to convene then uh, and then talk and assess kind of where we are uh, given the, the amount of funding that was uh, provided uh, and then get there thinking about how we can move forward and meet the budget and also meet, the, uh, meet some of the needs that the community has identified. But, Mr. Chadwick, I was wondering if I could talk to you. We did push out a communique uh, today, and if you could highlight some of the aspects of that communique. Yes, Dr. Murphy. <clears throat> the, um, as Dr. Murphy stated, we were going to present the, um, uh, the uh, concept design to you this evening uh, for information. Uh, we had intended to recommend the integrated option, uh, but are no longer able to do so because the design, concept design cost estimate for that option significantly exceeds the funding available for the project. The final design cost estimates completed by the architecture engineering team and the construction manager that at risk, that's two separate estimates, were both higher for all six of the alternative uh, design options than preliminary estimates that were prepared earlier in the process. To ensure that the school board's action is based on the most complete and up-to-date information, Final estimates are prepared at the end of each project phase. While initial project estimates were developed earlier in the process on READ, the recent final estimates were higher due to more information being available on each option. The current estimates reflect the latest construction costs, which, as you know from our other projects, are rapidly rising in the DC metropolitan region due to the amount of construction activity and other factors. And they also reflect the most current prediction of what escalation will be through the time of completion of these projects. So we are uh, proposing to hold an additional joint BLPC-PFRC meeting. Uh, all the meetings on the project have been joint meetings of both those committees. Will be held on Wednesday, March the 4th, as Dr. Murphy announced. The meeting will take place in the Reed Multipurpose Room, as all the other meetings have, and it will begin at 7 p.m. The focus of the March 14th meeting will be to provide an additional opportunity to discuss and hear input on the concept design cost estimates for the bridge and upper-lower options, the two options now under consideration. Based on previous review, staff has determined that the following four options are not feasible, based on feedback from the BLPC and PFRC, 
the Department of Teaching and Learning and or the est cost estimates that have been received. The integrated option, uh, these are the four that are now determined not to be feasible. Integrated option, which was the preferred or is the preferred option, the BLPC and PFRC, is five to six million dollars over the $49 million maximum funding available approved by the school board in the last CIP. The standalone option is also five to six million dollars over the $49 million maximum funding available. The North option, while close to the 49 million maximum funding available, was not highly favored by the BLPC and the PFRC. And the East option is under the $49 million maximum funding available, but is least favored by the BLPC and PFRC and does not provide optimal learning environments um, for our students. The meeting on March 14th will allow time for the BLPC, PFRC, and members of the community to provide feedback on the bridge and upper-lower options. Both op options are close to the $49 million maximum funding available, and the final recommendation will be presented to the school board at the March 22nd or April 5th school board meetings. Um, anyone who wishes to provide input may do so during the public comments section at the March 14th meeting, or for those who cannot attend, they may contact the BLPC or PFRC chairs or email comments to engage at APSVA.us. More details and past presentations can be found on the Engage webpage. Um, just select the READ project from the list of current initiatives. Thank you. Um, Mr. Chadwick, I was wondering, uh, maybe you did mention it, but uh, the two options that you are discussing, I know the integrated option was the, uh, the selected initially. What were the rankings of the two options that you'll be discussing on the 14th? They were uh, in the ranking that was conducted of the six schemes. Uh, those two schemes were second and third uh, uh, ranked by both the BLPC and the PFRC. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. I, I know there has been some concern also expressed by the, the community. I also think that um, we've pushed out some information. I want to thank uh, both the chair of the BLPC and also the PFRC uh, for their support and uh, helping us as we kind of move through uh, the Reed School building and some of the next steps that we'll be taking there. Moving on uh, with the Career Center, we've got um, Ms. Talento as uh, our board representative for the Career Center Working Group, uh, and that group, uh, under the guidance of uh, Kathleen McSweeney as the chair, continues to do their work. We're also slated to be able to, uh, for the summer of 2018, accommodate the additional growth of Arlington Tech's enrollment, uh, which is slated now to be uh, close to 350 students. We are continuing to move forward here. Uh, with the Education Center. Uh, most significantly, uh, the, the architect will be selected here coming up in April, and then once the architect is selected, we will begin that building level uh, planning committee process. Um, I think uh, one of the pivot points, though, here is the results of the strategic plan and kind of guiding and defining the instructional program that will be here and how this space will be utilized. Just remind everyone that we continue to push information to engage. Uh, we also see this as a very helpful way if folks have questions or they want information, uh, they can go to Engage, and I appreciate the uh, planning staff uh, and their work in turning a lot of that information around very quickly, and I think that's a very helpful resource for us. 